I'm so glad to welcome you here. I'm Jesse Johnson. We're, we've got an exciting uh, afternoon for you today, but let's first start with prayer. So if you'll join me and bow your heads. Lord God, we ask your presence to be here with us today. We, we more than ask, we plead, we beg for your spirit to guide our thoughts, draw us closer to you, uh, sanctify us, change us into your image. Lord, we look forward to your soon coming. Thank you again for this opportunity to be here. In Jesus' name, amen. It is a marvelous afternoon to be in Spokane, Washington. And one of the reasons that I love Spokane so much is because it's almost Canada. Where you can almost see Canada from Spokane. And the look and feel of this town reminds me of home. We've come to an hour where we're going to talk about the most important thing that you can do as a believer. I mean, apart from giving your heart to Christ, repenting, confessing your sins, apart from that, the most important thing that you can do is share your faith in Jesus Christ with someone who has not yet discovered what He can do for them. That's the most important thing we can do. I'm convinced that God gives us that task for our own good. He could send angel bands like He did to the shepherds to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, but what God in His infinite wisdom has chosen to do is to have sinful human lips tell the story of redemption so that it gets handed on from sinner to sinner and we all find our way home. Now that does some things for us. I mean, it, it accomplishes the work of God, but it also does something for us. I've noticed something. When you are busy sharing your faith with others, your focus comes back off of yourself because you are so engrossed in the salvation of somebody else. God plants the mind of Christ in you so that you are no longer self-absorbed. It gets self out of the way so that God can work with you and you're engaged bringing someone else to Christ. And the end result of that is that we are all happier Christians. It brings joy. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's less and less joy in this world that we live in. I make a habit of walking the city streets of every city that I go to. I go early in the morning and I just look at the faces of people on the sidewalk. And I've got to tell you, there's not a lot of joy left in this world. And if I'm really honest, as a gospel preacher, sometimes I stand in the pulpit and I look at the faces in the congregation. And sometimes there's not a lot of joy in some congregations. Some of the saints look like they were baptized in lemon juice. But that's because we're not doing the one thing that God asked us to do, and there's only one thing that God asked us to do. Jesus said in Luke 11:28, "Yea, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. If you do the thing that God asked you to do, blessed are you. The original word is makarios. It's happy. That's how you bring joy back because you're no longer engaged with your own problems and your own self. You're engaged in the kingdom of God. And how can you not be happy when you're engaged with the kingdom of God? This afternoon, you're going to hear stories from people who have found that joy. And at this moment, you're going to meet a cardiologist. His name is Brian Schwartz. He works at Kettering and he works on actual physical hearts, but he's found the joy of working on the heart that's longing for Christ as well. Appreciate that. And I'm a uh, cardiologist, a heart doctor, who works out of Kettering Hospital in, in Dayton, Ohio area. And I'm just gonna share a little bit about my experience with sharing with patients. Up until just uh, about 10 years ago, um, I, as a specialist in cardiology, practiced my trade, and it was really a job. I went to work, I saw my patients, I did that very well, but it was just simply a job. Um, about 10 years ago, I became challenged after becoming a member of ASI and also joining an organization called AMEN, the Adventist Medical Evangelism Network, to think differently about my practice and to think about how I could turn that into a ministry. And I was challenged early on over 10 years ago by Pastor Mark Finley to begin praying with my patients. And since then, I've learned to also share Bible verses. Um, we've started praying with our staff and also even started a Bible study group with our patients. But the thing I want to focus on today is just the simple power of praying with patients. That revolutionized my practice. It, it invigorated my life. It gave me a new energy. And it just helped me realize that I wasn't just doing a job, I was doing a ministry. And so I've 
had the opportunity as a physician to interact with people from all classes of life. Um, Fortune 500 CEOs that fly in their own private jets. I would never have the opportunity to have contact with such people. The chief of the fire department. And so I've gotten in the habit, um, the chief of the fire department for one of our communities needed a heart valve replacement. And I got him uh, to see the surgeon and got him through that surgery. And while we were working him up, I've grown accustomed to just saying to all my patients that, by the way, one of the things I offer to do with my patients is to have a prayer with them. Is that something that you'd appreciate? He got tears in his eyes. He, when he actually had his surgery, I prayed with him again. And then just before he went back, he, or when I left him to, for him to go back to surgery, he said, could you just pray one more time? He really appreciated that. Later I found out he wasn't a believer. He didn't attend church. He may have been raised a Christian, but that hadn't become important to him. But it was planting seeds. Later on, I also prayed with a guy named Billy. You can picture a guy like this. He's wearing a mohawk. He's in his 60s, a little bit rough. He probably has no friends. He's just a really rough guy who sits at home playing computer games all day and was very antisocial. Billy, one of the things I offer to do with all my patients is to have a prayer. Would that be okay? He got tears in his eyes. Billy considers himself an atheist. You know, right away, not much happened. But two years down the road, when the fire department chief was in for just a visit to check on his valve, at the end of the conversation, he's like, Doc, you're, you're a spiritual guy. Can you just tell me, why do you believe the Bible's true? And all of a sudden, that turned into a 45-minute conversation until my nurse had to knock on the door and say, oh, there's other patients waiting. <clears throat> Billy, who I met, I saw once at Walmart, and the temptation is, oh, no, there's Billy. I'm going to go the other way. But because my practice has turned into a ministry, I actually went up to him and said, hey, Billy, how are you doing? It's good to see you here. And his wife later came and thanked me for just being nice to Billy because nobody is. And a year or two down the road, Billy's like, Doc, how can somebody as smart as you believe that God created all this? Do you really believe that? And there was another 30-minute conversation about creation with a guy who considers himself to be an atheist. I have, I would challenge all of you now to think of yourselves as missionaries. You're either a mission field or a missionary. And I think differently about what I do now. You know, I'm not big into sports, but I can imagine from being in Ohio, if I went to a Cincinnati Reds game, I would go back to work the next day and talk about, hey, what'd you do this weekend? Well, I went to a game, and it would be no big deal to talk about that. I've gotten in the habit now of talking in the cath lab to the staff that's there about what I've been doing, and I will do it this weekend after ASI. <clears throat> been to the general conference, and I came back and shared what I heard at the general conference. An 1888 conference, I came back and shared just how great the righteousness of, of Christ was. And there's always somebody in my cath lab will say, hey, doc, what'd you do this weekend? And that's just an opening to say, hey, I went to this conference. It was really cool. And they go, really? What'd you learn? And I'll just start sharing it. Some people are starting to roll their eyes, but they're listening to this conversation. And so it's important to do that. One more story. I train cardiology fellows. They come from all over the world. One of my fellows is, a, is from Pakistan. He's Muslim. He's been watching me this whole last year, just praying with patients to ministering to their needs and just watching my life. And he's been asking questions here and there. One of the things we do is have a Bible study with patients. And one time he saw us carrying the, the uh, video projector and a computer. And he says, oh, I'll carry that for you. Where are you going? And I just said, oh, we're going downstairs. We, we have a Bible study. And he came, helped set up the equipment. He said, uh, I said, well, you're welcome to stay. I didn't think he'd be the least bit interested. But he stayed. He stayed through a series of eight of these Bible studies that we have been doing just with a video project. Not hard to do, but he stayed. For the last... Um, about 12 weeks before he left, he came to each of these Bible studies. And we would talk. Um, do you believe in Jesus? Well, yeah, he believed he was one of the five great prophets. I said, do you believe the Bible? He says, well, yeah, the prophet Muhammad said the Bible was a, a good book. And I said, well, but the Bible says that Jesus is the Son of God. And we would confront these things back and forth. 
in the very last Bible study that we were at together before he's moving on to another hospital, he came up to me and said, just thank you for inviting me to these studies. I didn't really invite him. He practically invited himself. He said, you know, I just want you to know that I believe that Jesus is coming again soon. And when he comes, I want to be ready to meet him. There's nothing like that to really see how you can touch and transform somebody that you believe in. One last story. There was a patient I didn't do anything with. I just offered to have a prayer. Her name is Evangeline. Um, After I prayed with her, I said, look, you need to make some lifestyle changes. And I referred her to the CHIP program that my church does and just encouraged her to go. And because I prayed with her, because I took those few extra moments just to minister to her needs, she was willing to go to the church to sign up for the CHIP program. She just stopped me in the church about four or five weeks ago and just said, Dr. Schwartz, I just want to know what weekend you're actually going to be in church this, this, this summer. Been there twice this whole summer. We've been traveling to so many things. And I said, well, Evangeline, why? And she said, well, I'm going to be baptized. And next weekend, she's going to be baptized. And it's just a powerful experience to see nothing that hard, just taking a few minutes to live a spiritual life. And people will really come out of the woodwork to ask you why you believe what you believe, and it changes lives. Thank you. Our next testimony really doesn't need much introduction. She's a former first lady of ASI and the author of five books. Madeline Hamblin is going to share with you this afternoon how God is using their personal influence to lead people to Jesus Christ through Bible studies and through business. So, Madeline, share what Jesus is doing through you. Hey, everyone. I bring you greetings from my home church in Jackson, Michigan. And we have the oldest continuous Seventh-day Adventist congregation in the world. It was established in 1849. And you know what? We are so blessed because our pastor is the GYC president, Moise Ratsera. My story is pretty simple. It's not anything great. Just things that any uh, one of you could do. Back in 1979, my husband and I attended our first ASI convention, and you know it changed the direction of our lives. We began to make witnessing a priority. For many, for many years, I entertained people in my home with a veggie meal, and we would have a Bible study, and I also did uh, health events for our church. During this time, my husband, Ray, held Daniel and Revelation seminars, and more than 25 people were baptized. When we were younger, our witness consisted mainly of individual things that we did, and we made it a point to have training as much as we could. And we noticed that some of the people that were baptized from seminars did not stay long-term in the church. Subsequently, we moved and changed churches, and now I was living in a strange community, and I didn't know my neighbors. I felt like God was calling me to reach my neighborhood for Christ, but the neighbors were very intimidating to me. So at first I just shared my homemade bread and vegetables from the garden. And as our friendships grew, we became more, need, more aware of the needs of our, uh, the families in our neighborhoods. And when our church asked members to start holding small groups in their home, we wanted to support this idea, but we felt we were really too busy to do that. So to make a long story short, we took the plunge, and with trepidation, we invited four neighborhood families to our home for a weekly Tuesday evening Bible study. And we also included a newly baptized couple from our church, plus a friend of ours whose husband was not a church member. We would have the study on Tuesday night, then we would share a small snack or a drink and conversation. And our friends seem to just love this. This group has continued now for about four years. We started out by showing the leave end and videos on how to have a relationship with Jesus. Next, we picked a book of the Bible and we read through it verse by verse because this was really non-threatening to people who were not of our church. They, they were very adamant that their doctrines were what was right. And then last winter, we began showing the Thunder in the Holy Land DVDs. 
with great success. Our doctrines are just beautifully presented, and we are in the process of learning patience and dependence on the Holy Spirit to lead souls to his church. We also host um, social events in our home, and one neighborhood couple has started bringing their friends who now attend our Bible study on a semi-regular basis. Several of our neighbors have um, attended church for special events such as concerts and cooking schools, and one couple even attended a complete evangelistic series last year. And although we are not studying with all of our neighbors, the thought has come to me that if we reach one family, they in turn will reach others who will reach others, and our efforts are really multiplied. And to a great degree, this is Christ's method. His work was largely personal. And through that one soul, sometimes thousands were brought to Christ. We're also learning that witness, witnessing for Christ is not about numbers. It is a process. It's about diligence and patience and reaching those in our own circle of influence. It is steadily and consistently sharing God's word with those who are interested and want to listen. God is showing us, too, that we really need to have a holy boldness. And when he lays a name on your heart, you really need to make sure that you're inviting that person to do something with you so that he will learn about Christ. And we're not discouraged because all of our Bible study interests have not accepted everything that we teach. We only sow the seed and pray for God's Holy Spirit to nourish and grow and bring to harvest. Right now we're working with seven people in our Bible study group. And Ray has a personal study with someone outside of our home, and I have a young lady that I'm studying with. You know, in one of Ellen White's visions, she was pointed down to the last days, and those are the days that we're living in. And she saw hundreds and thousands visiting families in their home, opening the Word of God. And Ray and I want to be two of those people that she saw in that vision having a personal um, mission to those around us, doing what lies closest in our neighborhood. But you know, with prayer and patience, we're just going to leave the baptisms to God. Thank you, Madeline. That was beautiful. Our next guests, you may know from Living Waters, Daryl and Mary Jo Oft, they're from Payson, Arizona. Today, you're going to hear about something other than living waters. You're going to hear about how their business is now able to support multiple ministries, and so they are able to forward the work of God in a number of exciting ways. Daryl and Mary Jo, come out and tell us what God is doing through you. Happy Sabbath, and we're so happy to be here at ASI today. As Sean said, most of you know us from our Living Waters ministry, but today we're going to focus on our business that we have in Arizona and how that helps to support our ministry. In the year 2000, we started Diversified Solutions, which provides occupational health services to a variety of clients across the state of Arizona. In 2004, we decided to expand to Globe, Arizona, and just as we had opened our office there, we had economic downturns, of our, not of our own doing, but we thought that we were going to lose our business. We spoke with financial counselors, and they said, you probably will be going bankrupt, and we would advise you to start moving in that direction. This was the first opportunity that we really had to learn to trust in God fully with our business. In 2005, we had an unexpected encounter where we were asked to go on a mission trip to Kenya. Now, we were the most unlikely missionaries. We were just ordinary business people. And the long and the short is we went on the mission trip, and before we left, we realized how important it was to us for the first time what it was really like to experience trusting fully in God. And so we got on our knees and we said, God, don't ever let us go back and be the same. And he didn't do that. You know, in uh, 2006 was our first ASI experience. That catapulted our ministry. 
And we learned the value of ASI. We learned how important it was, the encouragement that we had at ASI, the love of the people, and the incredible networking opportunities to see how other people do things. So we're going to share a little bit with you right now about how we use our business to share the good news of Jesus. In our offices, ASI has taught us how to use our business to witness for Christ. And we'd just like to share a few ways that we have done that. Uh, first of all, with our staff, there's a marvelous opportunity to witness to our staff, uh, both in the way that we handle things as well as the way that we treat them, the way that we can be sensitive to their needs and pray with them. And we have actually found changes happening in the lives of our staff as a result of them being associated at our business. With our clients, the people that come in for services, we often have opportunities to listen to their stories and to share with them and to pray with them. We've seen their lives changing too. One of the big things we learned from coming to ASI is the importance of literature. So we have a lot of literature in both of our offices. And it's really fun to watch how interested people are in the, in the literature and how often they pick it up and read it. And we've found that quite a few people will come back to our office just to get the next Signs of the Times magazine, even though they didn't need to come in for anything else. Um, our copy machine is quite an interesting witnessing story. Our supplier, our technician for our copy machine, told us one day that we don't seem to ever be calling him for service compared to all his other clients. And he just wonders, what's so different about us? And that's another chance to give the glory to God. In our office, we have actually partnered with our local church to have a radio station and the studio located right in our office, as well as the equipment for Good News TV is now out of our office as well, where they have 24-7 programming for the community around us. We really enjoyed also being able to participate in and partner with the Bridges to Health program that was done in San Francisco last year, the medical mission event, as well as the Arizona Sunshine event in Arizona just this past June. Our, our business is also something that has allowed us to um, have the resources that we need to be able to do our ministry with Living Waters as well. Diversified Solutions our business for his purpose. Our business still has challenges like all of yours if you're business people. We've had financial challenges, we've had health challenges, we have growth challenges, we have time challenges. It's not without the challenges, but we have learned that we can trust God who has put us in business. In 2005, when we made our commitment to uh, go to Africa, even though our business was still growing and we were struggling, God, God stood behind our commitment. And our revenues started increasing by 35% per year for the next 10 years. Two years ago, it plateaued out. And the reason it plateaued out is because we started talking to God and we realized we could not continue to grow our business and at the same time continue to grow our ministries that we wanted to. So now we are asking God to show us how to decrease our responsibilities with business so that we can increase our opportunities with ministry. You know, you often hear the phrase that you can't run a ministry like a business. That may be debatable, but what we have found is that we need to run our business like a ministry. Our business is a faith-based faith ministry. And we have thanked God over and over for the opportunities that he gives us to exercise that faith by trusting him. Thank you. Sometimes things happen in your life that make you do an about-face. You think everything is going well for you. It's like the rich young ruler who approached Jesus, and Jesus had one phrase for him, one thing thou lackest. Jesus has a way of 
letting us know that something needs to turn around in our lives. He can take your life, even if you think it's going well, and help you realize your deep need for Him, that there's something missing in your life. This afternoon, you're going to listen to Dr. Do Sung Kim. He's a dentist who was trained at Loma Linda, but now he's living in South America. You're about to find out why he's living in South America, because at one point in his life, Jesus reached out, touched him, and said, one thing thou lackest. Buenas noches. Greetings from Bolivia. Glad to be here with you this evening. It was a day I will never forget, October 29, 1995. We were visiting our family in Loma Linda with my airplane, with my two young boys. We took off after visiting the weekend from Riverside, from Redlands, I'm sorry, airport, to head back to Oakdale, California, where we lived. It was nearing dark, and we took off, and through the passes, through the desert, and onto Highway 5, we were headed up toward home. By this time, it had already, the sun had already set, and it was just my family and I in this little airplane coming along. Within 30 minutes of our home, the plane starts to have problems, like engine problems. And the engine is losing power, and the plane is starting to descend, and I do not want to descend. I call for emergency, declared emergency, asked for my options. They told me where the nearest airport was. I started heading that way. You know, at this moment, what did not go through my mind was how much money I had in the bank, what kind of house I owned, what kind of car I drove. Nothing mattered except one thing. Am I, how am I going to survive this crash? It was imminent and I had no choice. My friends, we are in an imminent course today. This world is an imminent course toward destruction. And we have a choice today, what choice we make. God has already told us how to prepare for this crash. And our work today is to tell others about the imminent crash. Well, we crashed. Obviously, we survived. The whole family with hardly a scratch. When I went back to the airport the next day, the NTSB was already swarming the area, reporters, pilots, and they told us, I can't, we can't believe you guys lived through that. You guys should have died. Yes, I know. We should have died, died that, that day, that night. But God saved us. And I was thinking, why did God save us? Why did God save me specifically from this imminent physical death? And I began to search my heart. I began to search for the meaning of life. Why do I exist? Do I exist to go to work, make money, bring home a paycheck, feed my family, go to sleep, repeat the cycle day after day? Is this what life is about? We had a dog at the time, and I realized if that's what life was about, my life was no different than my dog. But God created us with a different dimension than dogs have. And that's the ability to acknowledge God, to study what the Bible says about God, and to understand His love for us and respond to that love. And this is why God made us. And I begin to realize as I spent time with God, I wasn't used to this. And so, I mean, I grew up in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. But when I had success, I began to feel like, God, thank you, but 
I'm okay for now. So that's, this is the life that I was leave, living at this moment. And so, but when I began to really search my heart, what is the meaning of life? I began to study the Bible, spend time with God, and five minutes turned into 10 minutes, and then 20 minutes day after day, and then it became 30 minutes, and then it was 45 minutes, and an hour, I couldn't have enough of God because I was falling in love with God. A God that I could not see with my physical eyes, but I could sense him in my, in my life. I could sense that he was real, and he was a personal God, and he was reaching down deep into my heart, not only to, f- to save me physically, but to save me spiritually. I praise God for that experience. Because if that wasn't for that experience, I don't know where I would be today. Amen? Thank you. So that during the following months, my life, I felt like I was born again. A new life. Do you think that I could possibly live the same way I had been living in the past? No, I couldn't go back. Something had to change in my life. So I decided, okay, after months of God working on my heart, I finally came to a point where I said, God, you have been so good to me. You saved me physically. You saved me spiritually. Now I have eternal life. Now I'm ready to consecrate everything I have to you. All the money I had, which wasn't very much, even though I made a lot of money, I spent it all, usually more than I had. My house that the bank owned, but everything I have is yours. My life is completely yours. Do whatever you want with my life. And I remember exactly this moment where I was, I was kneeling in the dining room of our house and this overwhelming sense of relief, this peace came over me, a peace that I have never felt before in my life. It was an incredible experience, and I said, God, if this is what it's like, why didn't I do this before? My only regret was I didn't do this when I was young, but sometimes it takes a while to learn our lessons. But praise the Lord, I finally learned my lesson. And from then on, every day, I dedicated my life to God. And you know what happens when you dedicate your life to God? God, have you ever seen the sign that says, God is my co-pilot? Absolutely not. God became my pilot. And I was in the co-pilot seat. Wherever you want me to go, I will go. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. Whatever you want me to say, I will say, God, I am yours. And every day, I've been dedicating my life to God. We moved to the Montana. Met Mark and Connor. Others. Beautiful experience in the mountains of Montana living in the wilderness, in the country, had a close walk with God. I used to get up 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, have my personal devotional time, and then I would spend time with my wife, having worship with her, praying with her, that God would bless her that day. And then I would go to my oldest son's room, wake him up, and have worship with him. And even today, even to this day, he tells me that was when he felt the closest to God. Why? because his daddy was home. Daddy was spending time with him, and he experienced God through his experience with his daddy. And then I would go to my second son's room, wake him up and spend time with him, praying with him, praying for him that God would bless him, and then my third son. And then we would have worship time together as a family. How many times have I did worship so far? Six, I count, okay? Before, I go to work. And then I go to work. I had these two young ladies, home Adventists, homeschooled young kids, trained them to be dental assistant and receptionist. 
we would go to work and we would pray over every single patient that was on our list. We would pray that God would use our office to be a missionary center, not to make money, but to make reach souls for Jesus. And we would have discussions with our patients when they came in. We would pray with every single one of our patients, with permission, of course. And we found just about every single one of them just loved and appreciated the prayers that we prayed. Okay. I learned this at Amen, by the way. Wonderful, wonderful uh, ministry, Amen is. And so we went through this, and every day we would pray for our patients. And then we would speak to our patients. And sometimes, and we took away all the magazines, the worldly magazines, and we replaced them with Steps to Christ. Great controversy. Um, Elder Mark Finley's books, uh, Superpower, something like that. Wonderful book. Ministry of Healing. And the patients would be sitting in the waiting room. They start reading these books. And they would be so engrossed in these books that even though we were ready to see them, we would just sit back and watch them read. And then when they start putting that book down, then we would call them into the office. On the outside, it said dental office, but the inside, it was an undercover. <laughs> we were saving souls. And you would think, and then after an hour of discussion, Bible study with these patients, they had many, many problems, health problems, uh, mental problems, family problems, marital problems, all kinds of problems. We would talk and pray, and instead of having a dental office, it was more of a counseling office. And after it was time to finish, I would tell the patient, oh, I'm so sorry, Mrs. Patient. Your time is already up, and our next patient is already here. What are we going to do? Oh, it's okay, doc. Well, I'll come back next time. How much do I owe you? I would tell them, you don't owe me anything. I haven't done anything. And they would gladly reschedule. And you would think in a practice like this, how could it make money? Well, I wasn't worried about money. Because God had promised, when we are His, what? He will provide for our needs. And yes, we made less money, but our net was higher. So after we actually provided enough for our food and living expenses and other needed items, we had more than enough. We started giving away to ministries. What a wonderful experience that was to be able to support ministries. And then in the middle of this, God calls us to Bolivia. I said, what? Bolivia? I had to look it up in a map. I didn't know where Bolivia was. I knew it was in South America. I knew they spoke Spanish. I had two years of high school in Spanish. Bolivia. To what? To start a medical missionary training school. I hadn't done anything like this before in my life. I was, in the past, I had dedicated my life to the profession of dentistry. And so that was the only thing I knew. But now, to go to Bolivia, to start a medical missionary training school, I didn't know how to do anything. I spent many years in school. I knew what it was like to be a student. It wasn't very lovely. But to start a school. Well, one of my, our church members told us, you know, God doesn't always call the equipped, but equips the call. And with that, I, I didn't know where it came from. I didn't know if it was from a Bible verse or Ed, they didn't tell us. But I grabbed onto that. God, if you're calling us, you have to provide for our needs. You have to provide what we need to do this work. Provide the finances, provide the people, provide everything we need. And it was kind of a covenant I made with God. And what do you think he said? <laughs> of course. He said, of course. Why would I call you to something that you cannot do? So we went down 
and started a medical missionary training school. And first year, we had 12 students, no advertising. I don't know where they came from, but they came. We didn't tell very many people, but they came. And we started, and three of them graduated. And then the next year, 12 more came. Six of them graduated. And next year, we had 28. Next year, we had 30-something. And this year, we have almost 40 students. A nine-month program and a second-year advanced course nine-month program. And we send these kids out. First of all, they don't, they've been, many of them have been raised Seventh-day Adventists. They don't know anything about what Bible teaches. They don't know how to give Bible study. So that's the first thing we teach, how to study the Bible for yourself, how to have a relationship with God, how to share your faith with others. And then we send them out. And some of them are reluctant to go out, but after the first time or two, second time, they come back with smiles on their faces. They're experiencing the love and the joy of seeing souls accepting Jesus Christ. And from then on, we tell them, Don't, we can't go. Oh, we want to go. They'll walk through the rivers, rain or shine, to go out to get Bible studies. I have to tell you about Jocelyn and her family. We did a health fair at the, at the request of a mayor's office. When we did the health fair, a family came, Carlos and his family. And after the health fair, we signed them up for a um, health club, eight weeks every week. Uh, health class, spiritual class, and cooking class every week. Well, after they took, went through this class, they said, we want more. Can you teach us Bible? We started giving them Bible studies. And then his, the father wanted her, his daughter, who had finished high school, to come to our school. Not of our faith. So we decided to make an exception, have her come. At the end of the year, the whole family was baptized. And today, he is the, one of the pillars of a church that we helped to start. And today, we have eight different places that our students go working with an existing church, working with places there are no church, and they're working and they're learning how to save souls, how to hasten the coming of Jesus. Now, before I finish, I have to share a few. God could have reached his object in saving sinners without our aid, but in order for us to help develop a character like Christ, we must share in his work. In order to enter into his joy, the joy of seeing souls redeemed by his sacrifice, we must participate in his labors for their redemption. We must be laborers together with God, for God will not complete his work without human agency. A distinct work is assigned to every Christian. God requires every one to be a worker in his vineyard. Were every one of you a living missionary, the message for this time would speedily be proclaimed in all countries to every people, nation, and tongue. Every true disciple is born into the kingdom of God as a missionary. God expects personal service from every one to whom he has entrusted a knowledge of the truth for this time. To save souls should be the life work of everyone who profess Christ. Did you get the message or do I need to keep going? I teach my students, if God says something once, it's very important. If God says something twice, it's very, very important. If God says something three times, it's very, very... You're getting the idea. How many times does God have to repeat this? That every Seventh-day Adventist is born again to be a missionary for Jesus, to do the work of saving souls. 
I praise the Lord. I resisted when God called us to Bolivia, but I praise the Lord we ended up there. I praise the Lord because every day we see Satan working, but we see God working mightily than, more mightily than Satan. I praise the Lord for the experience that we have every day, working with young people. Some of them are very difficult, but one thing we find out is the, our own characters. We see our own characters when we work in such close relationship with others. I found out I was selfish. <laughs> I was very selfish. I found out I was very proudful. I found out a lot of things about me. But praise the Lord, we're in his work and we are seeing things, miracles happen before our eyes. Praise the Lord, thank you. Absolutely amazing. I love music so much that I listen to it on my way to work each morning, and I, I walk. It's five miles from my house to the office, and, and as I walk to the office, I go past Lake Loveland in Loveland, Colorado, which is the spot that HMS Richards was baptized. So I walk past that every morning, and I'm listening to music. And I, I listen to the radio a lot as I walk with a little headset in, and, and one morning as I was listening to the radio, I heard about this program that was titled... I thought it was titled, Pathways to Hell. And I thought, this is going to be some fiery sermon, and I turned it up, and it wasn't Pathways to Hell at all, it was Pathways to Health. I still think it would be a good sermon title for an evangelistic campaign. So I wondered, what is Pathways to Health with the TH on the end? And I listened, and it proved to be one of the most impactful things that God has led His people to do in recent history. I want you to watch what God has been doing as we follow the counsel we've been giving and ministering to people's needs as we introduce them to Jesus Christ. Watch this video as to what took place in San Antonio, Texas. Matthew chapter 4 verse 23 tells us that Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manners of sickness and all manners of disease. You know what I love about Pathway to Health is that we see Christ's method of ministry being implemented in the lives of the people in the cities that we go to. And this afternoon we have the opportunity of talking with some volunteers whose lives were drastically impacted by Pathway to Health. Now the first two that we have is Paul Pitts and Carol Pitts. Now they volunteered not only here in Spokane but also in San Antonio. And they told me that the reason is, is that they've seen God touch people's lives, not only physically, not only spiritually, but emotionally, and all the different pieces and the aspects of the, the who we are. Now, Paul, can you share one story of how you saw God use you in touching people's lives? Yes. Tuesday morning, I happened to be serving as a chaplain over in the surgical services area. A nurse that was there by the surgery check-in brought me over to a patient and said, would you please pray with this lady? She is asking for special prayer. I knelt near her. I visited with her. I found out that the reason she was there was she was scheduled a week or two before to have a small skin, uh, skin cancer removed from her face. But her husband lost his job a few days before she was supposed to go in. She had to cancel that appointment. They lost their insurance. They didn't have any money. And so she found out about Pathway to Health, came. I prayed with her. I prayed that the Lord would restore employment for her husband. I prayed that she would have comfort and peace while she was receiving her services. The Lord would guide the doctors and nurses' hands. And when I finished praying, she was smiling big and crying at the same time. And she told me, she says, I cannot believe that I am able to get the services I need. I never thought I would. And then to have someone come and lovingly pray with me, you have really touched my life. Folks, everyone can do this. No matter who you are, no matter what you do, come join us at Pathway to Health in Los Angeles. It's amazing. Maybe you may not be a medical professional, but you can still pray with someone and God can use you to restore hope in that individual. Now, Carol, you have another interesting testimony of how God used you to touch someone's life. I do. 
um, uh, I was working in orthopedic area, and this lady came in to the orthopedic surgeon and said, I have pain in my right knee, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hurting. And so her friend said, well, you're going to have to have a total knee replacement. So she came here to be checked, and the orthopedic surgeon, and oh, she was sad, too. She was very sad because she had no money, and she had no, uh, you know, means of, of having surgery, and she had no insurance. So the orthopedic surgeon checked her knee and with a thorough examination realized that it was bursitis and she did not need a total knee replacement. Amen. She goes, really? I don't need surgery? And the orthopedic surgeon said, no. So, but he said, I can help you. I can give you an injection in your knee to help your pain. And so after the injection, he had a beautiful prayer with this lady and her family. And I helped her off the table as we were walking away, she turned around, she goes, I'm not in pain at all. I don't have any pain. She gave me a great big hug. And she goes, what you folks are doing here is a blessing and it's marvelous. And I'm just so happy to be here. Amen. Now for me personally, I am on a roll. I have that momentum to continue working with Pathway to Health. And I'm looking forward to the next Pathway to Health next year. Amen. Amen. God is doing amazing things. When you can look in the face of someone who's been experiencing excruciating pain for years and now is finding relief and the seeing the joy of the gospel practiced in their lives, there's nothing more rewarding than that. Now, the next person we have to chat with is Dr. Chris Lewis. And I was joking with Dr. Chris Lewis that he's actually an evangelist and he's a surgeon on the side. And the reason why is I've never met someone who's so interested in people's souls. It's not just about medical care here, but it's also how can you help the whole person. Now, you have some interesting stories from these last few days. How have you seen the Lord working? I want to tell you, Taylor, just briefly about three patients that I had the privilege of seeing at the Pathway Spokane. So the first one was a gentleman, uh, maybe a few years older than myself. And so uh, he came in with a number of tumors, six separate tumors all over his scalp. Now, if you can imagine, you know, having these big growths on your head, just think about going to the grocery store or, you know, meeting a new person, you know, eating out in a restaurant. It, it impacted his life tremendously. It's embarrassing. Oh, terribly, terribly. And he grew his hair out long, and uh, I think our appearance affects even our behavior. And so, um, so first thing we did is we sent him for a haircut because at Pathway to Health we offer haircut services. And so he basically had a shave over all of his entire head so we could see what we were dealing with with these six separate tumors. And then we talked about a plan and went to work on this guy. So it takes a little while to, to take off six tumors off of somebody's scalp. It's an area of a rich blood supply. But while we were doing it, you know, I've got a captive audience. So this is a good time to, to have a Bible study with somebody when they're there and they can't go anywhere. Amen. <clears throat> so, and if they're asleep, if, the, if there are any of you who, are, who take care of patients who happen to be asleep, you can work on the others in the room. But nonetheless, so... This guy's there awake, you know, he's numbed up, he's got lidocaine in place, so, so I could share with him, and I got to know him a little bit, ask him, you know, about his life. Turns out that this gentleman was raised a Seventh-day Adventist, went to, you know, one of our academies, but it drifted away from the church. Still has, uh, you know, family members that are, that are Seventh-day Adventists. And so I was able to share with him. I, I felt like God impressed me to share with him some of the kind of signs of the times, you know, things that are going on in the world that tell us that we are right, you know, down at the end of this world's history. Amen? Amen. This guy could see it. And I said, you know, the things that you heard, you know, when you were growing up, and we cared, kind of shared some from Revelation 13, you know, to show right where we are just before, you know, Christ's second coming and, and so forth. And he could see it. And you could see that he was interested. And the other thing is he saw that these were all Seventh-day Adventists. And he'd been away from Seventh-day Adventists for some time. And he saw that, that this was the kind of church that he wanted to be a part of. And he said he wanted to come back. Amen. You would never imagine the amount of disenfranchised Seventh-day Adventists who are starting to come back to the church as a result of Pathway to Health. Not only here in Spokane, but also in San Antonio. We've heard results of that too. Now, there's a few other stories you have, so I don't want to take your time. What, what else happened? So the second patient I want to tell you about was a, a young lady, a young mother, facing some very challenging circumstances as far as, you know, child-rearing as a single parent and just some real challenges from, a, you know, a pending divorce and so forth. And she, um, as she wanted 
three separate skin lesions taken off. She has a, a familial condition of a very malignant skin condition, potentially. So uh, she wanted these to be taken off. And that gave me more time for Bible study. Amen. And so as we're working on this young lady, she's a very, very uh, thinking person, a very intelligent person. She has a, a biochemistry degree, going back to school for a mathematics degree and so forth. And uh, she began to share, uh, as we talked, about how she was raised a Protestant, she said. As a teenager, she became an atheist. Uh, but being in, in a community with so many atheists actually drove her back to Christianity, and she became a Roman Catholic. And then from there, she uh, became acquainted with, with the Mormon community and, and calls her, considers herself to be a Mormon. And so, you know, Protestant, atheist, Catholic, Mormon. What is this lady doing? Searching. Searching. For Searching. Truth. Amen. So I said, I didn't, I didn't, you know, challenge any of her beliefs. I simply said, wow, I can see that you are searching for the truth. And so I was able to share with her that I said, there is an absolute truth and you're going to find it. And this allowed us to talk about, you know, the origin of evil, the origin of the universe. You know, Lucifer turned Satan, the fall, and, you know, the great controversy theme. Why does God allow, you know, bad things to happen if he's a good and caring God, etc.? The kind of answers that only the three angels message, only God's Seventh-day Adventist church has the answers to these questions. Amen? She saw that we had the answers. She could see it. She was, like I said, intelligent person. She saw it. She went home to read a book called The Patriarchs and Prophets. So praise God. Amen. You know, Dr. Lewis, we saw God do many amazing things. And it's so unbelievable that God can reach people who've maybe left his church and bring them back through the care of your best pathway to health. But not only that, he can lead people who are searching back to his church. Amen. Now we have one last person who's going to be speaking with us. And Pamela, you have a very interesting perspective of what happened at Your Best Pathway to Health. Can you tell us about the, the conversation that you had with one of our volunteers? Uh, definitely. Tuesday evening when we were all done from volunteering, I was just visiting with one older woman and she asked me if I had a couple of minutes to share something with me. She told me that three weeks prior she had woken up and she was arguing with God, why did you wake me up? I'm dead weight, I'm not good for anything, my, I can barely walk, my cataracts are so bad I can't see, I'm good for nothing. But she'd heard about Pathways to Health and she has a daughter who's a dental hygienist and she wanted her daughter to know about it. So she shared it with her daughter and her daughter was excited and said, well I'm going to sign up, mom I want you to sign up. And she said no. They won't want me. I can't do anything. I am just dead weight. So she was completely hopeless at this she point. She was completely, entirely hopeless. So her daughter said, well, okay, I'm going to sign myself and you. Mm. So then she looked at me and she said, you know, I think God has a sense of humor because guess what I've been doing for the past two days? She says, I have cataracts so bad I can't see, but I've been working in vision. Amen. Amen. So God will use someone who can't necessarily see to help others see. Definitely. So what happened? That's not the end of the story. Not at all. So then I looked her in the eyes and I said, now are you still going to tell me you're dead weight? And she said, no, I'm not. I said, well, what are you going to do? She says, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for everyone who came, but not only that, I'm going to pray for those that couldn't come. Mm. Amen. You know, God is doing amazing things. What I love about Your Best Pathway to Health is it gives opportunities for everyone to volunteer in Christ's service. Amen. You may not be a medical doctor, you may not be a physician, but you can pray with people. You might feel like you're just dead weight, you might be in a wheelchair, you might be handicapped in other ways, but God can use you in His service to do mighty things for His kingdom. We just want to thank you guys Amen. so much for the way that God worked through you and in the lives of many other individuals at Your Best Pathway to Health. Thank you so much. Wonderful stories this afternoon as we're hearing about what happened at Your Best Pathway to Health. I have with me this afternoon Eric Lou. Eric, you also were serving at Pathway to Health. Tell us about a life that was changed. Yes, I was serving at registration, and an older woman and her mother came through for their eyesight. And so I was filling out the form for her, going through the medical history, and she had so many different problems. It was just heartbreaking, quite honestly. And so we went through the medications, just it must have taken me at least 10 minutes. And finally we get to the section where we offer prayer, prayer needs. And so she checked off the one, yes, I need, I need prayer for my family. Uh, of course, I need, I need prayer for my finances. And, well, I need prayer for my health because that's why I'm here. And then she got to the section just below that on friends. And she paused there for a moment and she looked up at me and she just kind of quietly said, I don't have any friends. 
I wish I had friends. Well, and as I, as I sat there, I, I was trying to hold back, tearing up, just sitting there with her. And I got to pray with her. I got to send her on into the rest of these sections. But I just praise the Lord for the opportunity that Pathway to Health provides to connect people with a health information center church afterwards. And I pray that she'll be able to connect with people that can be her friends. I think the answer to this next question is kind of obvious, but Eric, how has being a volunteer at your best pathway to health impacted you personally? You know, as, as a pastor in my community, I see a lot of needs, but I don't see it as rapidly. What really hit me was going back, looking for people who need friends. And this afternoon, Taylor, you also served in the chaplaincy department. Tell us a story about someone's life who you saw that was changed there. Well, we had a very interesting story. Anthony came through, and he was seen by the dentist, and he had a wonderful experience there. After seeing, being seen by the dentist, he went over to Mr. Sam. Mr. Sam was the man handing out the suits, and he gets fitted for the suit, and he said something to Sam that caught his attention. He said, you know, I think God has sent me here. Amen. Now, Sam turned a little bit evangelistic on him and said, I, I definitely agree with you, brother. I believe that the Lord has sent you here. Anthony looked at him and said, you know, Sam, the reason why I'm here is because I believe God is trying to bring a transformation in my life, not only physically, but also spiritually. Well, Sam took the opportunity to bring him over to chaplaincy, and when I met Sam, or when I, sorry, when I met Anthony, the first words out of his mouth was, I want to be baptized, what do I need to do? Well, that's always a good sign, and so we started <laughs> talking to him, and before I knew it, he was talking with the chaplain and was kind of ushered off. And someone said, hey, have you heard about that guy who wants to be baptized? And they said, well, which one? Because we had had multiple that day. Well, they showed me this picture of a guy with short hair, wearing a suit, looks totally different, nothing like someone I had seen before. But I found out that it was Anthony. Anthony had gone, he had gotten a haircut, he had come in with hair past his shoulders and scraggly jeans and a torn up t-shirt. But by the time he left, he had short hair, a new suit, was walking around like a new man, and he had a new side and inside as well. You know, the Lord had blessed to bring a transformation in his life completely. Amen. Thank you this afternoon. We want, to, uh, want you to know that uh, all of you are invited to serve. We had volunteers from 15 years old to 92 years old serving at this event. We had people in wheelchairs serving at this event. We had people that could run. So whatever the spectrum, wherever you may find yourself, we want to invite you to join Pathway to Health as a volunteer. Join us in Los Angeles this coming spring in March and uh, get a blessing. Be a blessing to someone. It will transform your life just like it transforms the lives of those being served. Thank you. There's a statement in Christ's Object Lessons, about page 69. I remember it because that's the year someone in my house was born, not my wife. But that statement says, when the character of Christ shall be perfectly reproduced in His people, then Christ will come to claim them as His own. Some people have felt that that means that if we just buckle down and pray more and study more and perfect ourselves more, Jesus will come. Now, is prayer important? Yes. Bible study, indispensable. Those are important activities. But having the character of Christ reproduced in us is so much broader than just those things. If you have the character of Christ reproduced in you, something else happens. There is a story in John chapter 4 where it says Jesus on His way home must needs go through Samaria. We know that wasn't technically true because there was another route the Jews took to miss Samaria so they wouldn't become contaminated by going through the territory. So what does it mean that Jesus must needs go through Samaria? It's simple. There's a woman sitting there at the well in the heat of the day that needs the kingdom of Christ. And when the character of Christ is reproduced in His church, we won't be able to help ourselves but go through Samaria and share what Jesus has done for us. Let us remain standing as we pray together. Father in heaven, we have been so inspired this afternoon, this evening, by the beautiful heavenly music. Father, we believe that Jesus is coming again. Father, we've been inspired by missionaries, local missionaries, overseas missionaries. It's inspired us to do, be more zealous in our local mission work. Father, help us not only to be inspired, but to do the mission work you're calling us to do. 
Father, we've also heard from the mayor of Spokane. We pray your blessing upon him as he leads this small city out. And Father, we pray that the presence and the influence of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in this community will not be forgotten. Father, now as we finish this part of our program, as we finish this part, we pray that your Holy Spirit will go with us. We ask for your Spirit's presence in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.